CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. the Nasdaq market site on this expiration Friday. The guys here getting ready behind me. While they're doing that, here's what's coming up on the show. The bond market's getting crushed, but there's something in the charts that suggests the worst might be over. We'll explain. Plus, Ford just had its worst week in two years. But if you got caught in the wreckage, fear not. We have a way to make some of your money back. And later, Netflix shares are surging but the rally might come to a pause when it reports earnings on Monday. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. Let's get right to it because the bond bloodbath continued this week as the yield on the U.S. 10-year uh, hit its highest level since 2014. This 2.6% area been on the line in the sand for the 10-year over the last few years. So will history repeat itself or will we see rates tick even higher? Let's get straight to the chart master to break this all down. Hi, Carter. Hi there. Critical levels to, by all accounts. What's so interesting still is that we've really made no progress despite all the excitement. And I'm skeptical. So let's look at a few things and um, go from there. So here is your chart. It's very clear. And the lines, the highs are clear, how it's ascended. Let's put in those lines. And what we know is that today, for the first time ever so slightly, we moved above this level. So a year, one month ago, 264, we closed at 266. The question is, if and as it breaks out, does it really help the financials? Uh, I'm thinking, no, we're going to look at that and the TLT. So I want to talk about the importance of this 264 level. Not only did we get above it on the daily chart, that also represents a breach of this long-term channel. But that's not so important because a year ago, the consensus was we were going to breach the channel. And all that's really happened is we've gone sideways and we've breached the channel because the top of the channel has come down. And so for this to be a new real trend instead of a downtrend uptrend, you need two things, one of which has happened, one has not. So if definitionally a downtrend is a succession of lower highs and lower lows, the first thing has happened. We didn't make the new low. So you'll see here that we held. That's key. But we have not made a new high. So the new high level is 3.1. If I drill down and go right to that level, getting to 3.1 is a much bigger issue. That would then represent not a higher low and a higher high. So for now, yes, we've broken above this line. We've just done that, right? But all for what? So if we go to 2.6 or 2.7 or 2.8, financials are still struggling. Let me show you that. It's hard to believe because we think of J.P. Morgan, we think of Citi going up. So this is all S&P 500 financials on the top, and here's the relative performance to the market, which is really what matters. This is up, and yet relative to the S&P, performance is exactly where it was a year later. And that's not adjusted for risk or beta, meaning while it's up, it's onch relative to the market, but it's underperforming the market adjusted for risk, much more volatility. And I'm not sure you're still getting paid for the risk to be overweight financials. So here is another way to do it. This is a really here and now chart. Here is the move. We've gone from 2.3 to 2.6 in yields, and financials are not still outperforming the market. I think that's an issue. Let's then go to TLT. Long-term chart. Here's your trend line. 
I want to be contrarian here and actually make the bet that bonds are going to bounce, 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 bounce off the line. And so let's drill down to another way to look at it into this wedge. You can make the bet this, which is I'm going to do. This is consensus. I get that. I want to be contrarian here. And then finally in with a quick TLT. We are right at these lows. And my hunch is that we're going to hold this and we're going to throw back a little bit. So I want to be contrarian here and bet that this big move in rates starts to pause. All right. Thanks for that, Carter. Mike, you're trading TLT? Yeah, I'm looking at TLT. I think the nice thing here is that the options on TLT, because it's a low volatility product, are actually quite inexpensive. Basically trying to buy a call that's close to at the money. I was looking at the March 124s today. You could pay $1.75 for those. And then I was looking to sell also an inexpensive call, the March 128s, against it for $0.60. Cents. You might ask why I would be inclined to do that. The reason is that I actually don't see us going much more than above that level. I mean, I'm not expecting that you anticipate a really strong rally. I mean, if anything, I think we might be in you know a bottoming formation somewhere in or, here with rates. Yeah, right? even if we get above that key two six, it's really the three percent that represents a new intermediate high. And so two eight, two six, is this really the environment to be betting on banks overweight as a generalist when they're still not beating the market and especially so adjusted for risk. Right. So you know the chart is really interesting because I look at your charting the ten year, I was like, well that's a breakout. If I didn't know it was like the ten year yield, it was a stock and I knew there was and some it, sort of is. tailwind to it, which I think the rate tightening cycle is this year, I'd say I want to play for that breakout. So to me, you know, I'm usually kind of the contrarian guy here, Val, you know, and you know, your lines look pretty good. It looks like a decent way to play. But I guess, I guess if you're going to play it from the other side, what Mike says about the option structure, the call spread, it's a pretty cheap way to do it uh, in vol terms and in dollar terms, you know. So um, at the end of the day, I just want to make one other point about your choice of March. That trade is going to expire before the, the uh, March Fed meeting, which will be the first of the new Fed chair. And there's an 88 percent probability um, right now. So in Fed that's that's, a, that's a really good point, because, yeah. you know, we're talking about longer term rates here. And is it really yeah. what the Fed's going to be doing that drives longer term rates? Actually, no, it's going to be things like GDP growth. It's going to be things like inflation. Both have been rising. Both would suggest that you're going to see higher rates. It's the market that's going to take 10 and 20 year rates. And it's the Fed that's going to dictate. It's what just the positioning is so one-sided here, and, and right. it's the same. We've seen this every year for the last eight, ten years. The beginning of the year, the consensus is rates higher. It's just not happened yet. And while they've eked out gains, they've gone a little higher. Are we really in a position to start doing three-quarter, three-fifty? I don't see that. And so, if it goes from two-six-six to eight-six, is that really going to matter? I don't think so. Does this make financials a bad trade, Mike? In your view? Well, I mean, if, if this actually is true and we do see longer term rates sort of flattening out, I mean, that's not so great for net interest margins. That's only one part of the equation, though. I mean, we saw Morgan Stanley's results on the asset management side, obviously rising market, rising economy. In general, that can be a good thing, although maybe not as good as if they had a steeper yield curve. All right, let's move on to Ford here. Seeing a tough couple of days, the stock down nearly 10% for its worst week in two years. This after the company gave disappointing earnings guidance ahead of its next uh, earnings report Wednesday. But Dan thinks the worst may be over. So what are you seeing? Yeah, so in the near term, I mean, listen, you know, here's a situation where this stock obviously caught a bid in the fall off of some lows, some very multi-year lows. Um, and it caught the bid along with GM. I think investors started to get um, in front of what they thought was going to be a real investment cycle for both of these automakers as they think about 
um, electric vehicles, as they think about autonomous, that sort of thing. Both companies are doing partnerships with companies like Lyft. They're doing investments in AI companies. They're buying um, some autonomous sort of things. GM did. So here's the thing. This thing had a 30% rally off the low. That's Ford. Um, it's just given back 10%. It made a new 52-week high earlier in the week when they uh, downgraded their guidance for 2018. It wasn't particularly dramatic here. Um, next week, when they apply, uh, the implied move on earnings is about 2% in either direction. I mean, I think that's probably going to be a non-event. But getting this bad news out of the way this week gives them the opportunity to possibly talk about some of these fundamental issues that could drive the stock for the balance of the year. I have a couple charts real quickly. If you look at this, some of you guys like to use a three-day rule on a down, um, on, on a, um, you know, a downward spike. This thing is right now at six-month support. It better hold right here. But we also have a five-year chart, and we know that that downtrend looks like from the highs in 2014. If it doesn't hold right here, it's probably going back to 11. And then you look and see at 10 and a half, that was the 52-week low. It's actually a double bottom low from 2015 also. And that's down, you know, another 15, 15% in total. So here's the deal. This is the way I want to play this. I think a lot of the bad news out of the stock, sentiment's really poor. There's only four buys on this stock on the street. There's 20 holds and there's two sells. If there is any decent fundamental news over the next couple of months, I think you see this stock back at 13 and a half. So today... I think the way you play it is you look at March expiration, stock trading at 12. You could buy the March 12 calls for 33 cents. That's a little less than 3% of the underlying. Um, to me, you know, it breaks even at 12.33. I just showed you the charts. I think there's downside to 11 or possibly 10 and a half on some bad news. I like the risk reward of this trade if you're bullish and you like what they're doing with electric and autonomous. Do you see what Dan sees in the charts? Sure. So, I mean, what, what, all the safety uh, here in the sense that having plunged like that, so if you think about it, 13.5, it touched 11 spot 9.1. That is exactly where the 100-day moving average comes into play. It touched that line, stabilized. And let's say the number is a disaster, or they say yet another bad thing. The bet you're making, which is, is that you've already had the beating, and so that it's asymmetrical. There's, it would take a lot for the stock to drop further, especially finding the 100-day moving average, whereas if there's anything good, you get the upside potential. I like it. You know, Ford has a number of really good products that have been coming out. Their new F-Series trucks, which are amongst the best-selling vehicles ever made. I think that's promising. This is a company that made $7 billion in net income not that long ago. The warning I would provide is that cyclicals always trade at their cheapest multiples, as this one is, on a trailing basis right before the cycle actually rolls over against them. And that, of course, would be the knock, which is the reason why the options trade you have here, a 33-cent call, makes a lot of sense. I mean, you think about what that is relative to the price of this stock to make a bullish bet. I think it makes a lot of sense. I like it. Yeah, and I'll just leave it at this. I mean, we're at a market at all-time highs. It makes new all-time highs every day. It's getting harder and harder to buy some of the winners here. At some point, you're going to see this rally uh, broaden out. It's going to have to. And then you're going to try to find value stories like this. This company has a 5% dividend yield. If you can actually try to reassign value to what they're doing electric and autonomous, this thing could go back easily to 13 and a half over the next few months. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our super cool newsletter. It makes for a perfect bedtime story. <laughs> so, so says my co. So what are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up. Investors are loving Netflix this year, but it might be time to hit pause on the stock. We'll explain. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air. More options action right after the break. Welcome back to Options Action. Netflix is set to report earnings on Monday. The stock is already up 15% year-to-date. Jillia Borson's in L.A. with what we can expect from the streaming giant. Hi, Jillia. 
Hey, Melissa. Well, Netflix subscriber numbers are always in the spotlight, with investors hoping this quarter that the company will top its own forecast of 6.3 million new subscribers in Q4, over 5 million of those coming from overseas. With Netflix shares up about 60% in the past year, the pressure is on for Netflix to keep up its growth. Analysts projecting revenue will grow by nearly one-third from the prior year to $3.3 billion, while earnings are projected to grow by 175% to 41 cents per share. On the company's earnings call, investors and analysts will be looking for CEO Reed Hastings' guidance for the year and whether the company plans to invest even more in content than the up to $8 billion it has already announced it will spend this year. What's happening is that their originals, the Netflix originals, are what are now driving the growth in the service. Um, and that's making it such that the competition that Netflix is facing, the growing competition, isn't really mattering. And Netflix is facing more competition than ever as Amazon continues to invest in content. And Disney is expected to ramp up investment in Hulu once it gains a majority stake through its Fox acquisition in that streaming platform. So investors can expect a big swing in the stock once Netflix reports Monday afternoon. The implied move is about 8% in either direction. Over the past four quarters, the average move has been over 5%. Melissa? All right, Julia, thank you. Julia Borson in Los Angeles. Well, with the stock's recent run and a huge implied move, how should you play into earnings? Professor Co. is over at the Plasma with the call to action. Take it away, Mike. Uh, there. So obviously after this big run, if you hold the stock, one of the things you might be concerned about is a pullback. Even if you don't, you might be think that it's due for one. So we're going to take a look at buying a put spread. And when is a trade like that going to be appropriate? Well, one of the things we're going to be looking for, of course, is an identifiable catalyst. And we most certainly have one in the form of earnings. The second thing is, are we expecting a big move? The options market certainly say that we are. Just under 8% is what the options market is implying. Now, granted, the last four quarters, just over 5%, but that included a double-digit move. So sometimes it moves, sometimes it moves a lot. And finally, this trade will work as either a bearish bet outright or as a hedge against long position, depending on your position. So taking a look at the stock, we can see that it's had some very sharp moves, obviously. Usually these are associated with things like earnings. Now, think about this. We might actually be able to play for a move of that size or even less and risk very little doing it. I was looking at the February 220-205 put spread. When I was looking at this earlier today, you could spend $8.70. So there's 100 shares in each contract. $8.70 a share. It's hard to risk only that amount to make a bet in any direction for a $220 stock. You can see that obviously it's going to make profits actually if the stock only moves about 4% to the downside. So this is a way that you can make a bearish bet here, not risk a great deal. And I think there's a good chance that the stock could make a move of that magnitude or more. Dan, what do you think of Mike's trade? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, a couple of his first couple points that he, he identified here. It's identifiable catalyst, and the stock has actually run into it. So expectations are very high, and I was just reading some preview notes on Netflix. Um, you know, estimates are actually, street consensus is above what the company is guided to, okay? So for <laughs> earnings and revenues and subs, especially also for Q1. So to me, if they can't come in to what the street is expecting, and it's already above their guidance, it sets up for disappointment. I want to make one other point, too. You know, uh, supposedly Spotify is coming to market at some point in this quarter. And don't think for a second, if that thing is a hot, hot deal, that people are going to say, take some chips off the table in Netflix and go into oh. the Spotify. Yes. And that's something to keep an eye on. You know, on the multiples here, obviously, are nosebleed territories. This is a company with significant negative cash flow, although granted the stock price indicates that if they want more capital, they have it, all that they want, and then some. 
Uh, and obviously they're looking for increases in margin to maybe 7%. But even if they get that, you know, full year 2019, we're looking, it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of $2.60 a share. So that would put it at 90 times 2019 earnings. That's pretty heady stuff. And they are competing with Amazon. That's scary for any business. I mean, as a chart goes, it's godlike in the sense that it's it's it's, <laughs> it's god what it's, it's god godlike yes. oh godlike it's, wow it's so orderly and it, it never gets too hot if you think about it one of the problems with a stock that gets hot like a caterpillar or a Boeing is that you have great checkback risk but. Netflix keeps checking back. Every three to six months, it has a big drawdown, 8, 10, 12, 15%, which shakes out people, which allows it to go higher. I like this as the hedge against the long bet. But there's nothing in this chart that suggests it's gotten too hot. I mean, it, this is a broadly held stock. Institutions have to be pretty much full up on it. It's outpacing the market broadly. Who is the marginal buyer? For Netflix at this price. Yeah, I just think that to your point, Carter, the stock just broke out. Now it's up 15%. If it had a pullback down to, like, let's say 210 or something like that, because estimates had just gotten a little too ahead of mm -hmm. themselves, then that would be the level that you would kind of reload on that sort of thing. But it just, remember, it just sold yeah. off from, from 210 to about right. 180 in, in, about within the right. last 60, 80 days. So it just had a give back. What, what makes you vulnerable for a give back is having had no give back, right? Meaning right. this stock has had give backs all along the way. Um, I think it goes higher, and I like, if you're going to do the buying the puts, I like it, it at the hedge. Is this, in your view, the best chart in the market right now? Well, I mean, there, calling there are, there are it godlike is pretty, well, well, that's pretty lofty. Visa's, Visa's godlike. MasterCard Visa's godlike, godlike. okay. Where, they're, where they, ni they neither go parabolic, nor do they start to roll uh, and you, you got to throw Apple in there. I mean, look at the consolidation uh, exactly. over the last few months. I mean, that one looks like that a beauty. That's pretty good, too. Yeah. Wow. We have a whole segment on godlike stocks. Uh, still ahead, IBM singing the blues. The stock down 4% today despite an earnings beat last night. Is there any hope for a turnaround in sight? The traders will weigh in. Plus, got a question? Of course you do. So send us a tweet to add options action. If it's nice, we'll read it later on in the show. Much more options action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. It's time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Last week, Dan said IBM was headed higher. This stock's going to gap up. It could fill a gap from last April. So to me, I think you just play this with a call spread. You're going to define your risk. You're going to target that gap. And really, if you are, agree and you think that there's a chance that you get two consecutive better-than-expected quarters, this stock's going to go back above 170, possibly 175. So today, when the stock was trading at 164, you could buy the February 165, 175 call spread, paying $3 for that. Well, despite snapping 22 quarters of revenue declines, IBM shares sank 4% today after reporting earnings. So, Dan, you say IBM's at a key level? Yeah, listen, you know, this stock closed last week at 163.30. It closed this week at 162.30. The stock did gap up this week. It went above 170, and it gave it all back on today's earnings. So, here, let's see what's going on here. I don't think the quarter was that disappointing uh, for all intents and purposes. I think it's got to hold these levels. I am long it. Um, this call spread, which would... Uh, bought for $3 when the stock was 164.30. It's lost half of its volume, or excuse me, half of its uh, value. Um, I like to use a 50% premium stock on long premium trades like this, so I'm going to keep a very tight leash on this one. But to me, I think IBM is okay right here at 162.30. I mean, if you listen to the clip of Dan, it did exactly what he said. I mean, he said this thing has the prospects of gapping up and filling the April gap. It did that, yes, and then makes it almost untradable, it gave the whole thing back, meaning there's a lots of schizophrenia. The surge like that come back, it's kind of back to where it started, and it's a, a non-trade here, I think. All right, moving on here. Two weeks ago, Cohen Carter said a biotech breakout was ahead. 
what we know is that this has come down to this line and bounced and bounced and bounced and bounced and bounced and we're right down there again. And it's my thinking that having underperformed, we're about to get outperformance, not only relative, uh, but absolute performance. I'm just looking at to February, so these are options that expire a little over a month from now. The 109 puts, I could sell those and collect $2.25. Since the time of the trade, the IBB is up 2%. So, Mike, what do you do now? Uh, I think actually we can probably cover these puts and roll out. You still think? That yeah, we've a got an absolute upside. performance, but not relative, right? It's underperforming right. the market. But we've, yeah, I would say, kick the can down the road. Yeah, this right. is a trade that only makes a little bit of money, and that's essentially what this thing is doing. All right. Up next, tweets and the final call from the options pit. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. And this question comes from a familiar handle, an Options Action super fan, the one and only Guy Adami. Yes, Guy tweeted at us. He asks, is it worth taking a look at the Feb 315 Boeing puts into earnings? Mike. Absolutely. I mean, I like this company fundamentally, but wow, it's come a long way awfully quickly, and the valuations are starting to get pretty up there, too. Sure is. Up much more than Netflix on a trailing 12-month basis. Sell. Time for the final call. Guy, hope you got your answer. <laughs> Last word from the options pits. Carter. I want to be contrarian here and take a bet that TLT bounces. Mike. I think you should take a look at Netflix put spreads and earnings. Dan. Yeah, Ford's also a bit contrarian here, but at the money calls in March are dollar cheap, so I like that play. All right, our time has expired. I'm Melissa Lee. Have a terrific weekend. See you back here at 5 on Monday for Fast. Meantime, that money starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.